Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be a quick review of the Texans game and then a preview of the Ravens game. Tom McLeavy's going to stop by for another McLeavy minute, and Sands is going to come by to analyze both games as well. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 16 Game Review Cincinnati Bengals 37, Houston Texans 31. Samaj P. Ryan walks into the end zone for his second touchdown of the day. I'm saying to myself, uh oh, we may be losing Sewell at this point. Then Hubbard gets great penetration on that last play. Hits Deshaun Watson, hits him pretty badly. Hunt recovers the fumble. I'm like, wow, we just lost Sewell. But you know what? I'm happy that the Bengals won. That's why I watch these games. I want to see Bengals victories. I know it would have been nice to get Sewell, but anything can happen. What if we took him with the third pick, and then he tears his Achilles in training camp, and then, you know, rooting against our team for these last few weeks was meaningless. So you just kind of have to let it all happen and let it all play out. You know, we're going to be picking in the top ten, so we're going to get a good player. We'll figure out linemen. Maybe it won't be the third pick in the draft to get a lineman. Maybe it'll be getting a couple big-time free agents like I've been preaching. So I'm done with the wanting my team to lose thing just to get a higher pick. Just win every game that you guys play. I'll be happy. It'll all sort itself out down the road. All right, so let's move on to some headlines. My favorite headline of the week was seeing the video of Joe Burrow walking. That's a good sign. He's already starting his comeback. He's going to be back strong next season. I want to congratulate Brandon Allen, FedEx Air Player of the Week. That's a huge award for a guy who's a backup. You know, he was, he was starting to find his NFL legs. He's been getting better and better every week. He had the injury. He comes back this week and has a spectacular game. He threw for 371 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Congratulations to Gino, the Ed Block Courage Award winner for the Cincinnati Bengals. And that represents three things, professionalism, great strength, and dedication. And I don't think any of us can argue that that is Geno Atkins to a T. So congratulations, man. I hope to see you back again next year, too. T. Higgins tied Chris Collinsworth for 67 receptions, the Bengals' rookie record. So I'm assuming he's going to grab a couple more this week and be the all-time leading rookie receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's got 908 yards, so he's fighting with 1,000. I know he's having a hamstring issue, so that might hamper him a little bit this week. Let's hope he gets those 92 yards. If not, no big deal. I'd like to see 1,000. But either way, great rookie season, and the sky is the limit for this guy. And fourth down conversions this year. I think we have the record. I haven't been keeping tabs, but we only needed a couple more conversions as of a few weeks back. And we had at least two this game. We had one or two the game before this. So the most efficient fourth down team in the history of football. Here we go. They released Trayvon Henderson earlier this week, and I like him as a player. You know, he's been around for a while, and, you know, he's a real try-hard guy. He was playing really well his rookie year before he had the ACL tear, and then it's been kind of a slow comeback into the lineup. But they brought him back on the practice squad, so it was good to see him come back to the team. You know, we'll see what, what next year has in store for him. A couple injuries to report. William Jackson with concussion. Like I said, just sit him out. Let him rest up another week and, you know, heal his body and his mind for next year. Tyler Boyd with the concussion. They're saying that he practiced this week. Again, another guy. Keep him out. There's nothing to gain by putting him in this week. I, I like to look out for these guys' long-term health especially players like Boyd and Jackson, which are going to be key components in future playoff runs. 
B.J. Finney went on injured reserve with that abdominal issue. You know, we never really got to see what he could do in a Bengals uniform. I'm not sure if they're going to bring him back next year. So, you know, for Carlos Dunlap, we got a guy who played in one game sparingly and a seventh-round pick. So, you know, I, I would say we kind of lost out on that trade. All right, so let's do a quick review of the Texans game. I know it was a few days ago, but, you know, there's still some fun things to talk about and some lessons to be learned from this game. So first off, as far as the coaching and game flow, time of possession, 36 minutes for us, 24 minutes for them. That is the key to victory in most games, and we did it this game. It was having an effective ground game, controlled the clock. I'd like to see that happen against the Ravens this week as well. Another well-called game by Coach Taylor. He's just getting better and better with his play calling as the season progresses. I'm, I'm really glad, hoping that he found his stride, and this is the beginning of good things for him. So what did he do? Quick passes. You know, got the ball out of his hands fast. Lots and lots of screens. Those running back screens, which we haven't done a lot of this year, where you do a play-action fake and then throw it to the running back. So that was very, very cool to see. And he stuck with the run, whether it was working or not, and it was working for the most part. So we had 33 rushes, 38 passes. You combine that kind of balance with time of possession and no turnovers, chances are you're going to win most of those games. We played four-down football, which is what I've been preaching. You know, analytics say to go for it more on fourth down anyway, but especially if you're a team with no shot at the playoffs. Just have some fun, make those drives exciting, get some practice for your guys for those key situations, because fourth down is a pressure down. And the more experience that these players have playing four-down football, the better for the future. Like I said, everything is going to be a building block for the next couple years, because we're going to be a very good team. And 13 fourth quarter points, that's the sign of a victorious team as well. So that was nice to see. As far as negatives, the one thing in the play calling, we threw two consecutive deep balls to AJ on the second drive. The first one wasn't even close, and I was like, you know what, don't try that again. And then we tried it again right away. So I disagree with that, but again, it's AJ Green. How can you disagree with throwing the ball deep to AJ, right? And we let up points before the half again. You know I've been preaching this. That's the big killer, but it didn't come back to haunt us in this game because we ended up winning. And we're kind of lucky because Deshaun Watson missed two long passes on that drive as well. So, you know, the game could have been a little different if those balls were hit by him. All right, let's analyze the first drive of the second half, which I always like to do just to see what happened in the locker room. So we come out, we do that play-action screen to Geo for six yards. Excellent first play. Then second down was a Geo run behind Hopkins and Suofilo. He got 11 yards on that. They've been doing that a lot, coming out of halftime. At least the last three games, it's kind of been like the geo drive. Third play was a 12-yard slant to green. You know, this almost sounds like something I would call to start the game. A screen on first down, a run behind your big interior line on second down, a quick 12-yard slant to green on the third play. So, you know, those are the things that I've been suggesting as well. I'm not taking credit for it. It was just very good play calling. And then the fourth play was Piron's 46-yard TD right behind Fred Johnson, who had a very good game run blocking, and Suafilo, who continues to impress. I'm telling you, Piron is not just an afterthought. He's a valuable back that I hope they retain and keep him in the rotation. He just runs every play like he's running into a brick wall, like he doesn't care what's in front of him. He just goes forward at full speed. And I know you could say a lot of players do that, but not like him. I wouldn't be singling it out if it wasn't something extraordinary or something special that I don't see out of a lot of players. So I really like his running style. It's fearless. I mean, you can get some injuries running like that, let's not lie. But so far, he's been healthy. He seems to be durable. He's a strong back. And he showed good speed when he broke away as well. 
Okay, so I'm going to quickly go over the good and the bad from this game. So on offense, Brandon Allen, he was accurate on those short and intermediate throws. He was changing plays at the line of scrimmage. He took charge of the huddle. He showed toughness, no turnovers, 126.5 quarterback rating. Again, I don't like to throw numbers at you guys, but that's a very high rating. You know, in the negative for him, he just had a lot of balls that he threw to covered receivers. And I know we have strong receivers. You know, Higgins and Green are capable of pulling the ball from other defenders. But, you know, in some of those throws, I was like, ah, man, you're throwing to a guy who's completely covered. But still, I mean, FedEx Air Player of the Week won the game. Great numbers. So those are just minor things. Higgins keeps impressing with that route running, that great touchdown catch where he just got in bounds. Just a bunch of really outstanding catches and another great game for him. You know, he is our new A.J. Green, so let's let's ride with him and, and just keep watching the show. And speaking of A.J., he had a good game as well. Had a bunch of catches. He snatched away that one contested ball, which was like the old A.J. Green, so really fun there. Um, Erickson had a good game. You know, like I said, if you get him the ball, he's going to put up numbers. And what, he had like five receptions leading up to this game, which I thought was just a mystery to me. I don't know how or why. I thought they should have got him involved more. But in this game, he gets six receptions, has a couple really big plays, and shows you that he should be on this lineup and on this roster in the future. He took a couple big hits, too, showed some toughness. So, you know, Erickson's one of the guys that I always have a soft spot for. So, again, I'm pulling for him. I hope he, hope he comes back next year. Gio had another great game. You know, he's showing that he's not just an aging running back who you just, you know, kind of throw in there occasionally on third down. He shows that he can really carry the ball, carry the team. And very good to see that he is the Geo that we all know and love. True Sample, congrats on the TD. I hope there's many more in your future. Interior of the offensive line, Suafilo, Hopkins, Spain, another really good game. The tackles did a good job. Adeniji was in there for a few plays for Hart. I wasn't sure if something happened to Hart or it was just a rotational thing. But Adeniji got tossed by J.J. Watt on that one play. But, you know, he's done that to a lot of people. Good education for the rookie. A very good game for the offensive line. I'm going to give those guys credit. You know, they've been getting better and better every game as well, and it's coinciding with wins. There wasn't much bad offensively in this game. The only play that bothered me was the one fourth down and one where we converted with the quarterback sneak, but we didn't have a guy lined up covering the tackle. And I know a lot of people out there know the rules, and if you don't know the rules out there, you can't have a tackle uncovered. You have to have a, line, a guy at the line of scrimmage. You know, it can't just be the tackle at the end and two guys offset off the line, and that's what we had. I don't know if it was on the tight end. I think it was Seaton Carter or if it was on Stanley Morgan. But those were the two guys on that side. And there was a tackle that no one was covering. Somebody should have came up to the line. And it cost us a, a fourth down conversion. And we had to kick a field goal. Then defensively, there was a lot of good things as well. Darius Phillips had another good game. Let's look forward to next year. Let's say that we re-sign William Jackson. Trey Waynes comes into the lineup healthy. Mackenzie Alexander keeps playing lights out. Phillips is your number four. Maybe they bring in another guy. That's a pretty good roster of corners, so that's looking good for next year. So I'm not going to consider that a position of weakness or something that we need to address too high in the draft. But we're going to talk about that stuff after the season's over. So back to this game, Mackenzie Alexander. You've barely heard his name this game. You know why? That means you're covering your guy. Outstanding acquisition. I keep saying it, but man, he just, every game, he just plays so lights out. A couple players that I thought were very active, Lawson, Hubbard, Bynes. Jermaine Pratt, as I said in the last episode, he's playing sideline to sideline way quicker than a lot of people give him credit for. So I think he's going to continue to progress, and you know, hopefully next year is going to be like a big breakout year for him. Marcus Hunt was a great waiver pickup. I hope he comes back as well. It seems like he makes a couple really good plays every game, and that's all you want from a rotational guy like that. 
And he had that big fumble recovery that sealed the game. So nice job, Marcus. On to the bad Marcus Bailey. Tough sequence, right? He gives up the TD. He was pretty good in that coverage. But, you know, they had the tight end. He was singled up one-on-one. And Watson just slung the ball in there. So that's a tough break for the rookie. And then he gets the bad holding call on Brandon Wilson's big kickoff return. So a little bit of a welcome to the NFL moment for Marcus Bailey. But, I mean, those are minor things. You know, I think he's going to be on the roster for years to come. So these are things to build off of. And when it happened, Pratt consoled him on the sidelines. That's unity. That makes Pratt even more likable to me. You know, he goes up to one of his his guys that's in the linebacker room with him and says, Hey, you know what? It's all right, man. You know, keep your head up and let's go. We let up a couple big runs, which is troublesome. On the one, Bynes slipped or else he would have made the play. So, you know, you can almost point one thing or two things that went wrong on each of those big runs. The dropped interceptions continue. Hopefully that's something that we fix for next year. You know, it led to a TD drive right before the half. Jackson and Bates had that vicious collision. They both had the interception. It was no one's fault. They, both of them were wide-eyed saying, this is my ball. LaShawn Sims continues to struggle. You know, hopefully this is a building block for him for next year. You know, he's probably going to be the number six corner next year. Probably not going to see a lot of time. So at least he's getting those valuable snaps now if you want to, you know, slant it for the positive. Then he let up the touchdown, which wasn't a physical thing. It was a mental error. We're going to go more into that in the sand segment. But, you know, that was the game that he had. I keep calling his name out for having, you know, subpar games. And I don't like to single out anybody on the team. But I'm kind of just telling it like it is, telling telling you guys what I'm seeing. We played very well, and we got another win, and we showed that we can play some winning football. We had some great play calling, some great individual efforts, some really unifying team moments. You know, it was a really good week for us, Bengal fans. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frank. How you doing, pal? All right, my friend. So what are your thoughts on everything that's going on? Well, uh, first off, let's give that big shout-out to the Bearcats. Big game, New Year's Day. They have to, have to beat Georgia to really show the country that a non-power conference team can beat a power conference team. Um, I just feel like I felt going into the Tulsa game that um, the lack of playing was going to be a uh, was going to be the difference in the game and you know against Tulsa I don't know how good Tulsa was but the Bearcats were a little rough starting off trying to get their you know feet going but once they did they they secured the victory but let's go Bearcats going on to the Bengals hey listen they uh, it's always fun to watch them win. Yes, they hurt their draft uh, status, but you know something? There's so many holes on this team. Not one guy's going to cure it. The game showed that, you know, they didn't give up, and it showed some players that, you know, how we rely on the, the preseason. Oh, maybe this guy could be our number two, number three. We're seeing now on the field in a regular season game, uh, we got our system. You know, our backup quarterback now. Uh, Allen played great. He was throwing some nice passes. And it shows that he can be a guy to come in and lead a team. You know, Gio running the ball, I think he was neglected the last few years of being able to carry the rock. P. Ryan, another guy that you would normally see in preseason going against 
third stringers and you don't know really how good he is, hey, he ran the ball great. T. Higgins, once again, is going to be a star. So, you know, even though they, you know, hurt their draft, but, you know, it's always good to see uh, guys step up and, and um, you know, play good. I was shocked that they won. I thought maybe the, you know, the Pittsburgh game, they caught them right. But, hey, two in a row, you can't complain. So what are your thoughts on the Ravens game and how they're going to finish out the season? Um, well, the Ravens are in the hunt. So, you know, they're going to be bringing their A game. Listen, the offensive line's given holes. So, you know, it's always, who knows, you know, how they're going to play. You know, that defensive coordinator, uh, Wink, whatever his name is, you know, he was upset that the Bengals kicked a field goal towards the end of the you know, last game they played, uh, you know, give them three points and, you know, pay back. So, you know, we'll see maybe the Bengals have something up their sleeve to say, you know, something we're going to we're gonna show them. It's going to be a tough game, but, you know, it's an AFC North battle, so who knows? Week 17 preview, Cincinnati Bengals versus Baltimore Ravens. First play of the game, three wide receivers, Geo in the backfield, one tight end. Very simple. I'm not going to call this intricate play. What we're doing is Higgins on a quick comeback. He's going to run out 10, 12 yards, stop, look back towards the quarterback. It's going to get fired right into his gut. And what this is going to do is it's going to set us up for later. We're going to have him run a few of these comebacks during the first quarter, you know, first half of the game or so. And then later on, that comeback that he's been running all day is going to be a stop and go. Boom. Big touchdown over top. It's a matter of setting things up for later, which is a lot of what you want to do in that first quarter, first half. Second down, let's get P. Ryan going again. Run him right behind Spain. I know they have a great defensive line over there in Baltimore, but let's just say, hey, we're not afraid of that. We had some good luck with this last week. We're going to continue what's been working. You know, stop us. We're going to run it until you stop us. Third play. Let's go to Geo in the flat. Again, we want to attack these linebackers of the Ravens. They have a strong defensive line, a good secondary. They have some good young linebackers. I mean, Fort's playing well. Queen is low-ranked in PFF, but he's made some big plays. But this is the level that we want to attack this game, and what better way with a pass to Geo? And then the fourth play, same kind of thing. Let's have Sample crossing from left to right. From left to right rather than right to left, because if he's going left to right, you can roll out Brandon Allen just a little bit to the right side, and he's got Sample running down the field with him, you know, both going towards that sideline. Boom, big play. We've done that a few times this year. All right, what are my concerns for this game? The Ravens are really strong on both lines, the offensive line, the defensive line, and that's the way you build a playoff team. When you can control the trenches, you're going to win a lot of games, and they're notorious for just having outstanding lines, and this year is no different. So with that said, offensively, it's going to be the protection schemes. And last game, Wink Martindale, he he just dialed up so many different blitzes, and Sands goes into it more in his segment, but we had a very hard time stopping his scheme, even more so than the actual players. So that's going to be something to really think about this game. And defensive linemen, I mean, you, they just keep bringing them out. What do you have? Campbell, Judon, Ngakwe, McPhee, Wolf. Brandon Williams, it just doesn't end with these guys. So they have plenty of guys that they can rotate in there, and a lot of them are capable of making big plays. So that is a big concern for this game. 
They have some good safeties with Clark and Elliott. Good corners. I don't know who's playing this week, but Humphrey's playing. I don't know the story with Peters and Smith. They've been in and out of the lineup. But if they have all three of those guys in with that secondary, that's going to be some problems for us offensively as well. All right, so what are my concerns when we're on defense? Well, it starts with Lamar Jackson. You know, if he gets going running the ball, you don't know what he's going to do from play to play. You know, very hard to defend against, especially when everyone's dropping back and all of a sudden this speedster takes off. It's really hard to defend. So we're going to have to spy him. That's going to be a big issue for this game. Mark Andrews killed us last game, so he's going to be another thing that we're going to have to worry about. And again, I'm not that crazy about their wide receiver core, but with Will Jack out, it's probably going to be Sims in there, and they're going to go after him. So that's another concern for this. They have a good offensive line. Gus Edwards is running well. Uh, Dobbins, I don't know if he's hurt or not, but you know that one-two punch there is something that you definitely have to account for when you're playing this team. All right, what would I do? How would I approach this game if I was the coaching staff of the Cincinnati Bengals? For starters, if you win the toss, get the ball first. Don't defer. Don't let a team that's pushing for a playoff run get the ball first and score on you, and you're ending up trying to come back against these guys all day, which is going to be tough sledding. And then the other things for a winning formula, you're playing four-down football, especially this week. You're trying to control the clock with time of possession, have that balance between the run and the pass. Some trick plays and crazy formations. Again, you pull out all the stops for this game. Lots of Geo, lots of Pirine. Again, you go with things that worked. Last game, the running backs exploded. The game before, they especially exploded. And Brandon Allen was hot last game. So you ride those things that have been working recently. Lots of T. Higgins. Again, let's set them up with some short stuff and get them long a little bit later in the game. And if their backup corners are in there, like Averett and Williams, then those are guys that we can hopefully take advantage of as well. And bring up some of the guys that you haven't given much playing time to, like Jock Patrick. I really want to see what he can do in there. And what better game than against the Ravens? Trenton Irwin had a couple touches last game. That was nice to see. Everyone was congratulating him on that catch. I felt good for him. So you know what? Give him a couple more snaps this week as well. All right, so what would I do on defense? Well, you know, you have to contain Lamar. You're going to have to spy him, and I suggested when they played him the first time that Brandon Wilson be that spy. So we'll see what they do with that. And let's keep contain on the outside. If our defensive ends cut it too hard, Lamar Jackson totally can get around them and go to the outside. So that's going to be a very key thing, is to rush him, but to rush him with contain. And get him throwing the ball. You know that's the weakest part of his game. And let's make Jason Tucker do the work for them. Let's have him get into the red zone and just kick field goal after field goal rather than touchdown after touchdown. That's going to be a big key to winning this. And back to what I said about bringing up players, maybe we see Winston Rose this game, another guy who I'm really anxious to see what he can do on this level, and what better game to do that, especially if William Jackson is out. And lastly, defensively, let's go in with that same aggressive warrior mentality that we went after the Steelers with. Nothing is better than putting a hitting on your AFC North rivals, and this is another game. Let's just come in just as intense. There's no reason why we can't flip that switch and bring it like we brought it against the Steelers. Predictions for this game, maybe more hope. I'm not going to just say the Bengals are going to beat this team that's fighting for the playoffs with a you know a 10-5 and record, but you never know. Look what we did to the Steelers. So what happens in a perfect world? We contain Lamar Jackson, make him throw. He's inaccurate. They don't get a bunch of touchdowns. They get a bunch of field goals. Geo makes a big play. We, we get Higgins deep because we set him up early. And the Bengals shock another AFC North rival. X's and O's with Sans. All right, we're here with Sans. Sans, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Frank? All right, my friend. So what are your thoughts on the Texans game? It was a really impressive showing for our offense. 
for Zach Taylor as a play caller and then for our players executing the game plan, they have a weak linebacking and second level in general. And we really attacked that. We started off, I believe it was the first play of the game, with uh, play action and then a screen. And linebackers, when they play play action, there's a thing they do that's you start to come down and play action. Most linebackers will start to take a few steps forward because their keys are telling them that. Then when they realize it's play action, instead of just backing up and zone dropping, you turn around and run to try to find the crossing route behind you. That's called robot. It's a cool name. I think it means roll back over something. I'm not 100% sure, but it's a cool name. Just basically means they turn their back to the ball and they go try to find the crosser. We've noticed that not only are their linebacker doing that, but the overhang defensive back that should be responsible for the, the flats, the curl flats area, he was doing that as well. First play of the game, we run that play-action screen, and there was nobody within – nobody touched either Geo or an offensive lineman for 20 yards downfield because they all had their back turned to the ball, and they couldn't – they were all looking for the crossing route. Crossing route was a dummy because it was – that was just a dummy route. We, we had Geo on the screen. That was the play the whole time. And then we hit that again. They robot it again. And then halftime hit. In the third quarter, it was our second or third play. We decided to throw it at them again. And they robot it again, turning their back to the ball, all three of them, including the overhang defender. So these were just going for huge gains. They finally got it fixed at one point. It was like a redemption arc for the linebacking core where the he started, it was on in the fourth quarter around the 20-yard line. The linebacker started to turn around. He realized it was a screen, so he didn't turn all the way around. He turned back around, but then he still missed the tackle, so it only went so far. But it was a really cool way to attack them. Uh, something we saw, must have saw on film, and then we saw that they didn't change during the game. There's a three-play sequence where he threw three straight deep shots, ending in that beautiful T. Higgins touchdown catch. I feel like I can't overstate how well Brandon Allen was throwing the ball right before that. He hit a deep route. I believe it was to Higgins on the sideline. It was like a deep out, about 15, 20 yards. Then the next play, they come out in a cover two. Brandon Allen makes one of the toughest throws you can make over top of the linebackers in between the safeties deep down the middle of the field. That's not an easy throw, especially for a backup quarterback. And you hit Alex Erickson on that. The very next play is a post-wheel switch concept where Higgins is on the wheel and Green was on the post. Really, the Texas defense played it pretty well, but Brandon Allen was just throwing up a heat check like he was hot from the three-point line or something swish there too because Higgins was able to get up there and make a play. I thought he did a really nice job of allowing our wide receivers to make a play. He was hitting these deep shots with accuracy. And I know the Texans' defense isn't very good, especially in the secondary, but you still have to make the throw and not hold up your receiver and let them uh, make a play on the ball. So I thought he did a really good job throwing deep and then also managing with just screens. And we threw a few flats as well. That was, Those were just free five, six yards, seemed like every time, because the linebackers just weren't recognizing it quickly. Throwing a deep out is a very, very tough throw in the NFL. Getting a ball down the seam, especially when there's a lot of bodies in there, is tough. And then obviously that pass to Higgins in the end zone, there's a, a very small margin for error there. 
So I 100% agree that that was a, a phenomenal sequence for him, which bodes well for the future. Yeah, I think he proved uh, that he could even be our backup quarterback next year, even if Burrow can't go to start the year. He looked like he could win some games. Now, Ravens' defense is much tougher, so we'll get a nice look at him against a tough defense that's playing to win and get into the playoffs. So they have everything to play for here. I think that's a real test. What are your thoughts defensively on what we did against the Texans? So we play a lot of single high with Jesse Bates, which is what we should do. But I think we started – Von Bell's been a lot better in coverage, but I think the reason is that we started playing a lot of too high pre-snap and then motioning to single high after the snap. And what this does is instead of having Von Bell manned up on tight ends or a slot receiver or anything, it puts him into a middle-of-the-field intermediate to short zone. That's what he, that's actually the play as a cover one lurk where he uh, got that huge hit on Juju. He was able to read from that middle of the field lurk. I think that really helps him. It uses, utilizes him to his talents. He was getting shredded a little bit in man coverage, but then we start using him in these zones, and he's doing a lot better. Jesse Bates probably had his first not great game of the season. It was just he made a, well definitely made those missed tackles. But then he also had a play or two from his deep safety that he would jump the wrong route. Neither one went for touchdowns because the throw was missed, but it's something you don't want to see. It's a bad process. I don't, I'm not worried about it because he's been fantastic all year, elite-level safety. So, but it's just weird to see. You know, Sands, in the case of Bates, you almost wonder if the Pro Bowl snub made him got in his head a little bit. Maybe he was trying a little bit too hard. Sometimes if you press a little too much, you don't get the same results. Like, it was a very questionable game for him to have not his greatest game after coming off the Pro Bowl snub. I thought he was going to be lights out. Yeah, it certainly could have been because of that and uh, how that would have affected him mentally. I'm not going to rule it out. I also just think that it's hard to be the best safety in the league, the best at anything for 16 straight weeks. So there's bound to be at least one game where you're not going to be at your best. I think it just happens. Good point. Um, What are your thoughts on Carl Lawson for this game? Oh, he killed it. He he was great. I don't think he got a ton of pressure against Tunsil, but once Tunsil went out and the backup came in, you could tell there was a difference in talent level. Lawson was beating him most plays, most pass plays. And really, you see once we get into Hubbard was getting pressure, too, off the right side. And once we start getting this pressure, the defense just looks just looks better because our run defense was not great this game. A lot of big plays were given up. And I think that's also in part due to what I talked about just a minute ago with the two high safeties pre-snap. When you have one high safety pre-snap, it lets you play plus one in the box. When you have two safeties high, just thinking of you're pulling the safety out of the box and into and into the deep area of the field, it makes it harder to get into your run fits. So, especially for a team that didn't really, we we play some too high, and we play some disguise too high, really, that it's supposed to be one high coverages. But for a team that that doesn't really practice it that often, it's definitely difficult to just throw that in there these last few games. I think it's a smart move because it does utilize Vaughn to the best of his ability. But it also can lead to 
some big gains in the run game because we didn't fit the run correctly. And Sands, I think it hurt us in the pass game when Sims let up that one touchdown. Sims let his guy go to the inside. Like I think I think he thought he had a safety over top, but it was just Bates alone in the middle. Do you know the play that I'm talking about? Yeah, I know the play you're talking about. I'm actually, when I watched it, I was a little bit confused. I think Sims messed something up there because it looked like cover, uh, cover three to me. But Sims kind of lets Cooks get behind him and he's not really when you play cover three at least our cover three it's uh, usually a mass coverage and when you get a deep route you're basically man on deep is what's called mod man on deep so when they're deep you're in man coverage basically he let him get behind him and he didn't man him up he just kind of let him go and then after cooks gets another two steps behind him then he turns around and tries to save it but Bates was in the middle of the field he might have missed a coverage call or something there Gotcha. Yeah, that's been a little bit of a trend with him. I'm kind of I'm kind of worried about him for the long term. Let's... The thing about him is that he's supposed to be our fifth or sixth cornerback. So putting him against Brandon Cooks in a situation where he's supposed to be manned up on him deep, that's never a good thing for our fifth or sixth cornerback. Good point. Um, what are your thoughts on the upcoming Ravens game? This will be the real test. I mean, there's no point to tank anymore at the fifth pick. There really wasn't a ton of a point to tank for an offensive tackle. I mean, there is because we really needed it. But to me, you tank for a quarterback because of how valuable that is when it comes to an offensive tackle. I can see it, but I don't know. I think I think it's about even with trying to win games and establish a culture. Um, this would be the real test, though. This is the playoff team. They're probably better than their record indicates. They were the best team in the AFC arguably last year before the playoffs and we already played them once and we got stomped so this is the real test I think for can we adjust to what the Ravens did last time our defense was actually good last time we're a 3-4 team now hybrid more I guess but I think we base out of 3-4 4-2 nickel but we came out on a 4-3 and we stacked our linebackers so only four guys on the line it worked really well against all the options, the bash, counter, zone read, all of that. It worked really well to contain Lamar's running. And then he wasn't great throwing the ball other than to uh, Mark Andrews, which could happen again. It'll be interesting to see how we adjusted there. What I'm more interested is how our offensive line's going to play because they were missing a lot of the blitzing defensive backs and linebackers on these creepers that the Ravens love to run or simulated pressures. So they've got, there's only four guys that are coming, but they have seven, maybe even eight guys, depending how many guys we have lined up near the line of scrimmage. They have seven or eight guys at the line of scrimmage and you have to get it right. You have to know which four guys are coming or else you're going to end up with a free rusher in the A gap. Like we ended up having happened to us about, 15 times last time we played Baltimore. So that's going to be the real test that I'm going to look for is to see, are the Ravens going to try to simulate pressure again? And if they do, can we pick it up? Other than that, their cornerbacks are really good. It's a, it's a fun matchup, I think for AJ green and uh, T Higgins. Hopefully they can win a few of those battles, but Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey are both very talented. I'm not sure if Tyler Boyd's going to play. And Brandon Allen, who just had the greatest game of his career can he also, because he's part of the setting protection, part of knowing that he's hot or not, 
knowing to read the coverages. They're going to disguise a lot. This is going to be one of his toughest opponents he's ever played. So those are all things that I'm going to look for in this game and seeing if we can at least improve. Even if we don't win, let's not get blown out and have an offense that feels like it. I think they got more than this, but it felt like they only got 150 yards that game. I hear you, Sands. It was a real struggle against Baltimore last time, and we just made a statement against Pittsburgh, so it would be nice to make a statement against Baltimore as well. How do people find you on social media? I'm at Bengals underscore Sands on both Twitter and Instagram. Beautiful work as always, my friend. I'll talk to you next episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. AFC North Standings. The Bengals are currently in fourth place in the AFC North with a 4-10-1 record. The Steelers are in first at 12-3. The Ravens are in second at 10-5, and, and they hold the tiebreaker over the 10-5 Cleveland Browns, who are in third place. The Bengals are currently the 13th seed in the AFC, and if the season ended right now, we would have the fifth pick in the draft. Observations with Alex Finelli. Frank, 29 of 37, 371 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers, 37 points, and a win. Frank, Brandon Allen is back. The Bengals, last year, two wins the whole season. The Bengals, this year, have won a game with three different quarterbacks. Ladies and gentlemen, the Zach Taylor effect is in full throttle. Zach Taylor, 10-year extension, collision course, 136 total yards, two touchdowns. Frank, the new dance for 2021, the P. Ryan shuffle. T. Higgins, the sideline, a gain of 15-plus, collision course. T. Higgins is probably the best Bengal receiver. Just looked up underrated in the dictionary. And the visual reference was a picture of Giovanni Bernard and one sweet stash. Two-minute drive before half, looking for points in a hurry? Don't throw it down the field to one of your eight-foot receivers. Just screen it to Gio. That's why Taylor gets paid the big bucks. The Bengals leading the whole game until the fourth quarter. The Bengals strip sack recovery. Go Bengals. The Bengals, getting hot in December when there won't be a January. So, Bengals, good job, Allen. Goodbye, Houston. And goodbye, Panay Sewell. The Bengals, winning in Houston. It must not be wildcard weekend. At least J.J. Watt didn't get a pick six. A.J. Green, better pick anyway. Frank, those are the Bengal observations. Handicapper's Corner. The unofficial Bengals podcast current record is 21 wins, 22 losses, 48%. All right, so I'm at 48%. I climb my way back up, but we'll see what happens. If I go 3-0 this week, I'll be at 52.1%. Now, the gambling experts will tell you that you need to be at 52.4% to be profitable. So regardless of what I do this week, I'm still going to fall just shy of that number. So with that said, here are my picks for the week. I'll take the Bills minus one and a half versus Dolphins. Seahawks minus six at 49ers. 
and the Vikings and Lions over 53.5. I wish you luck with whatever games you pick this week, with the exception of the Baltimore Ravens. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be entirely dedicated to reviewing the Bengals-Ravens game. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you guys should check out. And I'd also like to thank the Zedia Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at Zedia Network on Instagram or Twitter, and Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.